It's episode 60 of Take Back the Day. Six mofo zero six zero. The actual one because we've tried to do this a few times before. It didn't go so well. This is episode 60, Redux. (laughs) Hello, Sam. Hello, Simon. How the heck are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, yeah, not bad. Uh, I spent Sunday on a canal boat, uh, had a fry with some South Africans. Uh, English what? spring is definitely superior to English winter. <laughs> yes. I thought you were going to say it's superior to other things, which it most definitely is not. Mostly what it's good for is making me very confused as to whether or not I should be wearing a jersey. And then I put it on, get too hot, and then I take it off, get too cold, and then I put it on, get too hot, and then I take you get the... Uh, no, I mean, I, we're nowhere near getting to take off jerseys. But, <laughs> but, you know, occasionally you get a glimpse of sunshine, which is which is nice. Don't be fooled. <laughs> I have realized why English people just talk about the weather all the freaking time. It's because it just has a one-to-one correlation with your mood. It's, you know, I wish that I was more complicated than a houseplant, but turns out I'm actually not. When the sun is out, I'm happy. When it's not, I'm sad and droopy. (laughs) Turns out none of us are. Hey, did you listen to the latest episode of Radio Lab? No, tell me everything. it's called kleptotherms. It's about exactly that. It's about how we're not that different from plants and other things that need some degree of warmth from the environment. <laughs> Amazing. Kleptotherms are animals that steal heat from other, like kleptomaniac of heat. All right, like, like me to my partner. <laughs> when exactly. he's snoozing, no, exactly. I like, stick my cold feet on him because he is always hot and I'm always cold. It's <laughs> actually what you're doing. You're stealing Klepto- his heat. I'm kleptomaniac. That's awesome. You're stealing his heat magic. I'm just mean like that. It's funny. I've also been reading a book about um, how we are plants <laughs> or similar to plants, which is the truly miraculous novel called Overstory, which won, I think it was, it either won the Booker or the Pulitzer. Well, I Pulitzer. Overstory? It's it's basically like a novel told sort of from the perspective of trees (laughs) and they're kind of like humans and they're doing stuff, but actually they're very much the secondary characters and the trees are the protagonists. It's so good. I'm so into it. Okay. I will check it out. I'm going to make notes. I never do. I I need to get better at writing. Sam, your newsletter. Yeah. We discussed this before. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I freaking it's, it, and I don't just say that because because I love you and you're the best. But your newsletter is is like truly one of the greatest things that ever lands in my inbox. Oh. Um, and I love it. And we must talk about the climate change game. Climate change game. Put a pin in that because that was your last newsletter. But the one before was about your productivity system, oh, my which very- I want to get into. <laughs> reflecting a lot recently about whether I might actually have ADD because it's Mm. rife in my family like like a fully like 40% of my whole extended family members have actual diagnoses of ADD and I've always thought of myself as like well no I'm a very productive together person but what I have realized the older I've gotten is that that productivity requires so much active work to keep the chaos together (laughs) Which is what that well, let me put that one to bed for you. You have ADD. Do I? <laughs> mm-hmm. ADHD, yeah, it's called now. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I might. I think I might. 
Anyway, it made me realize that I need to get better at writing things down so I can be more like you when I grow up. No, no, this is it, right? So basic, okay, so this newsletter that I wrote that you're talking about, for anyone who's Mm -hmm. not read it, is just a look at my productivity system, which I think is an insane system. And it's like, and I think the main point I was trying to make is I don't think that there is a universally good productivity system. And like tragically, every human human being is kind of destined to uh, cobble together their own set of ridiculous tactics that keeps their lives together. I mm. don't think you should try my productivity system ever. I think that your brain works very differently to mine. And I, I love how loosey-goosey you are with your how you get things done. Loosey-goosey? Just loosey-goosey. Yes. So I think you're right. Everybody needs to find their own way. But uh, you make some very good points in your newsletter. And we must tell people where they can find your newsletter if they stupidly haven't signed up for it yet. Shame. Um, uh, Like, like for example, get things out of your head and onto Mm. paper or a screen somewhere. Mm. You know, like I think that that's a really good practice, um, Mm. no matter how loosey-goosey you are. In fact, (laughs) <laughs> maybe a better practice with thing you know uh, attached to how loosey goosey you are um so so like i think there there's some pillars of your productivity system that mm. are magical i also what i loved about it is how you kind of have these um these greater like themes mm. if you mm. will that you attach everything to yeah and I, I mean you know i'm not doing it justice you need to do say more about that but you like have you know, things have to fall into certain categories for you. Otherwise, they're not getting done, right? Yeah, they're like my four deathbed values, basically. It's like, you know, and I came up with these things over a decade ago and I've I, they haven't changed and I don't think that they would ever change maybe once or twice over my lifetime. But the idea is that they are kind of the lighthouses, I guess, within the rough seas of everything else that I do. And it's, it's those are kind of like on a very deep level when I am, dying and looking back on my life what are the values that I want to feel like I lived in my life and it's a good way of helping me to discard projects actually Um, and I just it's how it manifests in my day-to-day productivity tools is it's a color coding system um, and and it's sort of like a good visual reminder often like at a glance you can look at your to-do list and be like oh am I totally neglecting one of these core values of mine Mm. Um, which is fine sometimes but if that continues over a year then maybe it's a problem um, okay but tell us what these values are if you don't i mean i'm guessing oh, yeah. because you put them in your newsletter you're quite you're kind of okay talking about it dude then. i got no scum <laughs> i'm an open book yeah no i mean so i mean my four it's basically like i want to do good in the world i want to make things i want to like live a life of joy and adventures um and i want to f- have built security for myself and my family. Like I want to feel safe in the world. Those are the four things that like, you know, and, but I think the most important thing that having those four deathbed values do for me is they help me to say no to things because if I have any hesitation and I don't know what color to color code a new project, that is a very strong signal to me that this doesn't actually support one of the four things that you really care about. So you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Hmm, I love that. Yeah. And I think it's so important to have those kind of filters yeah. or uh, there's so, a better word for them. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, Simon, actually, this is something that I've learned from you over the years about productivity because one of the biggest things I've learned and one of the things that's very different to how 25-year-old Sam 
uh, tried to be productive and how 33-year-old Sam tries to be productive is 25-year-old Sam was very on this train of you've got to write everything down, like keep everything out of your head and in a system because your brain is there to do the work. It's not there to hold on to all of your reminders. But um, I was missing something, which is you need to periodically prune that list and you need a way to constantly refresh it. Because what I would do, you know, 25 year old Sam is I was very good at writing down every single like reminder or note to self that ever bubbled into my silly brain, you know, like, oh, I should do this and I should do this and I should pick up jujitsu and I should blah, blah, blah. And I should burn this person. And then what I ended up with was this infinitely large to-do list um, that just constantly made me feel like I was a failure and I was never getting to anything. And one of the things that I learned from you, you know, your productivity system basically is don't have one. <laughs> is that fair? <laughs> like, <laughs> But I think you have a deep trust in yourself that like the things that really matter will come up and you sometimes, you know, maintain a short list, but you are recreating those lists often. And that's actually a really good filter in the kind of like, you know, what is important to me right now is a really, it's like an amazing thing that you do. Like, I feel like you behave as though you don't believe in the past or the future, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think there's like a healthy tension between those worlds because you're right. My productivity system is wake up and then do stuff and then, and then go to bed. <laughs> And if you can't remember something, it probably wasn't that important. Yeah. But that's also like glib and a little bit too simplistic. Mm. Um, there is there is a, a big thing around not being too obsessed with the past and the future. Mm. Um, but again, like you know, everything needs needs to be needs to be a balance. I just feel like um, what what I would be tempted to do too often is make plans that are based on who I am now and how I'm feeling now mm. and then use them as a way for past me to hold present me hostage or future mm. me hostage, you know? Yeah. It's like I'm not the same person I was five years ago, so why should I give a fuck about what I thought was important then? Yeah. And so I think one thing that you do very well and it's something you get into in your newsletter as well is that review, you know, like mm. constantly going, well, are these my values? How do I feel about them now? Yeah. And I, th I think – what's important when you're in that space is being fairly ruthless, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a little bit like accountants tell you to think about sunk costs, you yeah. know? Don't give in to the sunk cost fallacy. The fact that you spend money on something doesn't mean you should spend more money on it. If it's not working, just like can it, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and, and so I think like there's a balance between my batshit crazy ignorant <laughs> world of like waking up and doing stuff and forgetting what you did last week yeah. and your world of, you know, everything is kind of captured mm -hmm. somewhere, which is, you know, yeah, yeah. again, like the amount of shit that just slips through the cracks, which are rather large in my mind, mm. um, it's is kind of, frightening. Yeah, I think to your point, like I think there's a spectrum between being a tasks hoarder, which is basically what I was when I was 25. I was like a, the the, the to-do list equivalent of, you know, one of those, those people who can never throw out a magazine <laughs> and ends up with entire mm -hmm. rooms full of them. And being like a total, a total taskless Zen Buddhist who, you know, mind like water, everything flows through, um, you know. And like, I think what I have found for myself is a set of hacks that kind of balance those two, those two instincts. 
that mm. at the moment kind of seems to work okay for me. It, it's I found a good balance for me at this moment. Um, and it required, it required, as you say, that weekly review, that was kind of the, one of the really crucial things. And then like a larger quarterly review. And the other little hack that I discovered was, you know, the equivalent of like you, well, maybe, maybe you don't have this problem because you're not attached to clothes, but like, um, <laughs> I struggle to throw out clothes because I kind of, uh, I think I personalize them in my head. I'm like, Oh, but this, this cute Jersey has feelings and <laughs> it will be sad if I get rid of it, which is ridiculous. Um, and so I struggle to get rid of things. And so what I do is I trick myself by, uh, putting it in a box under my bed. And then it's like, well, I'm not getting rid of it. I'm putting it in a box, but then Mm. every like six months, what I actually do is I go and take that box without even opening it. And I just take it to a charity shop. (laughs) And I, I, I realized I need to do that with my tasks as well, because, you know, every, every task that I write in that list represents some kind of like hope for myself that I have like, Oh, I should take up jujitsu. Um, and I need a place that I can put those where I can trick myself into thinking, Oh, maybe you will still do that one day. And for me, it's this list that I keep called like maybe someday. Um, and that allows me to like purge my true to do list and get Mm. out of that cycle of constantly feeling like I'm never getting to everything. I guess what I find most inspiring, though, is not all of that stuff, but your ability to actually do the things that are on your list. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I think inherently the problem is I'm a lazy fuck. And <laughs> and I'm a lazy fuck who's also a little bit of a rebel and has a problem with authority. And when something's on a list, even if I made the list, <laughs> I, have a, I have a resistance like against doing it i'm like oh fuck you i'm not doing that (laughs) no one will be the boss of me even past me (laughs) fuck that guy (laughs) so simon you're crazy do you know that you're actually crazy yes (laughs) yes i do at least there's some degree of self-awareness there um no but i i mean i'm kind of serious because i I think it it's something we do all struggle with yeah um you know like you will uh, not you but but you know people will do anything to procrastinate and not get to the thing they've told Mm. themselves they need to do there's this weird like fear we have around meaningful work Mm. like i'll spend all fucking day playing world of warcraft so that my (laughs) druid can have better gear um whereas if i spent the same amount of time and enthusiasm in business (laughs) i could actually have tangible things that matter in the real world um but you know it's like when you when you're writing a book you would rather clean the entire house five times than than commit a single word to paper absolutely it's just this curious weird thing that human brains do where once we've convinced ourselves something's really important we do most almost anything we can not to do it or maybe it's just me i don't know no it's everyone and that's fear right it's like that resistance so one of the hacks i've I've found for myself is that i so i tag every task on my to-do list as it's like a couple like four categories basically but the two most important ones are high energy or low energy and basically the low energy tasks are my procrastination tasks. And it's like, well, if you're going to procrastinate, these are the things that you find very easy to procrastinate on that are still kind of helpful. So maybe just procrastinate doing those things. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. So, so we've so, discussed, mm-hmm, no, sorry, carry on. Well, I mean, so I was going to ask you, so I mean, like, you know, for all of your, your self-dissing, you are also a very successful person who is currently running, what, like, <laughs> how many businesses at last count? Like, four? <laughs> and so what are, what are some of the hacks? I mean, you've also learned some good tricks for your brain that work for you. And what are the ones that are most helpful to you right now? 
Sure. Um, I mean, the ultimate hack is just surrounding you with people who are better than yourself, I mm-hmm. think, um, which is the secret to doing anything. I think far younger me had this idea that as a single person, I could do everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to register the company. I need to do the books. I need to build the website. I need to make the product. I need to do the marketing. I need to drive myself fucking crazy thinking I can do everything. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, if I've learned anything from actually doing business a little bit, it's that um, obviously you can't do anything alone. I mean, duh. Um, but also that um, you know, if you got if you got the right team, you can do fucking anything. Um, if you just have the right people around you, and so I've been incredibly lucky, um, blessed, some would say. To, to just meet and, and get to work with incredible people who are far more capable of things than I am mm-hmm. and um, and who make magic happen like every single day. Um, and and kind of also, sure, I don't know. Why is this such a tough question? It is so I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I do what I do because I can't say no and I'm a fucking imbecile and I should, <laughs> you know, cull off half the things I'm trying to do and focus. But... <laughs> They all just seem so rad. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that like, you know, one of the ways that you are in the world is I think you're a really good enabler, you know, like you, I've heard you say before that your superpower is hanging out and you always say it as a joke, but I actually think that it is one of your superpowers. Oh, it's no joke. It's it's literally is the only thing I'm good at. Like I I rate myself at hanging the fuck out with people. But you know, I think like what that translates (laughs) to in the business world is like, you are an exceptionally inspiring person to be around. And you know, you kind of in, you're really good at like shooting the shit about complex ideas that get people kind of actually really amped and thinking about those complex ideas and then wanting to go and build things that solve the problems that you you just jam about, which is kind of amazing. Like, you know, we used to have a lot of meetings, you and I just like walking on mountains that, you know, I tell people, other people who are like from the corporate world about how incredibly productive those meetings were. And they're all just like, ah, and how are you? Who is taking minutes on the mountain? <laughs> like, you don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about things on mountains is uh, a, an insanely effective thing that human any human being is able to do. But magic happens when your mouth's moving with your feet on a mountain. But look, I think that the the, the deeper point here is the the real trick for anyone in coming up with your own productivity system is that you sort of have to define what productivity means for you, and that com- that ladders back to understanding what jobs you're really good at doing in the world like you are really really good at getting groups of people together and inspiring them to solve a problem so productivity for you means like hanging out with people that is literally how you create you get things to happen um you know productivity for me is like i need to tick things off a list so that my little brain gets excited about its gold stars for long enough that it can focus on the next task, right? Um, and and I think that this is the thing, is that this is why productivity has to be so bespoke in a way. Um, a lot of it is about, it's a lot more about doing the right things than about doing a lot of things. And that means understanding what you are actually good at in this world. Mm, mm, I like that. Mm. And doing the next right thing, which is the difficult thing to get to. Yeah. And that's why I think your system is so appealing to me is 
I think you found a way of getting to the right thing pretty quickly because a lot of the 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 challenge I find with myself is like it's not one business it's it's three or four and it's so it's not one to-do list it's you know mm. multiple um and so this all needs to happen mm. but deciding what needs to happen first mm-hmm. um and I think that's where you know your thing around getting things out of your head and and onto paper or a screen if you will is so effective is um, once you've written them all down, like firstly, you've chosen to write them in an order. So clearly your brain has already done a pre-prioritization exercise. <laughs> um, but just having them in a form where you can kind of shift them around mm. and move them up and down, mm. um, just that process, it, it almost kind of makes it obvious. Like, yeah, I need to do this one next. Mm. Um, whereas when they're just in your head, they're all competing for your attention and they all feel urgent and oh, yeah. I need to do this. Oh, but what about that? And then you end up just reading Twitter instead. Yeah. Yeah. No, same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, and that's an idea. I mean, you know, everything that's in my productivity system is a hack stole, stolen from, you know, a much more kind of sensible productivity system. And what you're talking about really is a principle from Kanban, I guess, which is acknowledging that. The, the, the true limited resource is your time and energy and attention, right? Those are the truly mm. limited resources. So you do have to prioritize. And the work of prioritizing and deciding what to do is probably at least as important as the work of actually doing the, those things, you know? Mm. So, and for me, I, I can really accomplish and I can become much more productive in the sense that my outputs are much more valuable. I have learned if I spend one hour every Friday only doing that um it's like it seems like a waste of time but i have learned that like the the value of my output exponentially increases if i spend that hour prioritizing essentially Mm. yeah the other thing i've i've been thinking about because it suits my laziness is that sometimes the best thing to do is nothing Mm. which is curious so so one of our shareholders and i was speaking a while ago um we're speaking about like this legal situation that we were dealing with. And I was saying like, you know, uh, there's really nothing I can do except, you know, let the the process unfold. And in fact, mm. if I get involved again, I might actually, you know, do some damage. Yeah. Um, and he said, yeah, you know, he's like, take a leaf from the medical world. Sometimes doctors have to, you know, not do anything. Sometimes yeah. not intervening is the right thing to do and just letting something mm-hmm. heal or mm-hmm. unfold. Mm-hmm. And I think... So I, I kind of love that idea. It's it's kind of this interest. It's it's interesting as well mm. um, to think of inaction as productivity. You oh, know, I love that, it's yeah. like sometimes it's best to kind of just let get out of the way and let the other people do their thing, or uh-huh. wait for the process to unravel itself, um, and stop thinking you're a golden fucking god that <laughs> can go and and alter reality whenever you step into it. Like just get out of the way and and. And do nothing. Sometimes doing nothing on a project is exactly the right thing to be doing at that stage. It's a bit of like a first do no harm approach, right? Like if you're not sure what to do, often doing something can make things worse. So first, don't make the situation worse. Let it just (laughs) be what it's going to do. And then when when you intervening will make it better, you're quite certain Mm. Then do something. But that's, I mean, and this is something you and I have spoken about so many times before is that the real trick is not knowing what the outcome of something will be. Yeah. Because there's some things we do, and I've said this a million times, I think, on these conversations on the internet, but there's some things we do 
that feels so right and mm. the consequences of them turn out to be terrible <laughs> and the other things that seem terrible um, and seem like a mess in the moment but take you somewhere that you wouldn't have gone without them that's incredibly positive totally. and so you know at the end of the day we're just magical meat robots running around <laughs> not knowing what's going on magical meat robots <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Simon, in all of your amazing magical meets and uh, productivity, what are some things that you have made recently that you're really proud of? Because you have, I, you I've have just made. shown me, yeah, you have, or you have been like part of creating. Because I have just seen the news off website, and I think it is the most delightful oh. website I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that is my, yeah, that was my contribution to our hack day. So we have a little project called Zop. Which is a rand stable coin. It's a cryptocurrency. Don't worry about it. Um, but the website is is zarp.cash, Z or Z A R P dot cash. Uh, yeah, man. I I I made a little eight bit website. Why not? I mean, I just <laughs> it is actually the cutest thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> People do not put enough delightfulness into digital projects. Just I don't know why everyone thinks that they need to be serious when everyone would much rather be full of joy. <laughs> That's, I think it's something I love about the crypto community, though, is, um, is everything tends to be a little bit crazy, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, and super uh, fun and colorful and like everything that the old financial world wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that's uh, yeah. I am I am happy with this. I mean, insofar as you can even call it a website, it's it's a very simple landing page for now. <laughs> it gave me joy and delight, so it's great. rad, and I had fun making it. Yeah. What is what is something you've? Oh, this is a good time to talk about your climate change gear, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you've, that's something I've made you've recently. recently launched. That yeah, yeah. So, survive, so what's the URL for that again? It's survivethecentury.net, and it is a narrative branching narrative game uh slash story um where you play the editor of the world's most powerful uh newspaper basically and you get to choose what angle to take on the news between the year 2021 20, and 2100 so you're trying to get through the century um mm. and specifically it's about the changing climate and about the effects that happen, um, but also like how those things interact with humans and culture and society and economics and mm -hmm. all of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, and it's full of jokes. And I rounded up some of my favorite sci-fi writers uh, to write some of the articles. So you can, as you make choices, you can then see what the mm. newspaper front page looks like based on your choices, you know, in different oh. years in the future. And you can read articles uh, from the future. And Lauren Bierkus was one of those writers. She was. Uh, Rajat mm. Chaudhuri, uh, Sophia Almaria, just some really, really cool people. I, I mean, like, like you were saying, you know, like all of the best things in the world, what made it so fun and also what made it good is that it was intensely collaborative. Um, I made it with, you know, over two dozen scientists, but particularly uh, Simon Nicholson and Christopher Tresas are my co-creators. Um, we made it, you know, they're illustrators who contributed, Electric book Bookworks contributed. Um, it's a local, uh, incredible publishing, digital first publishing company. It was just like, you know, all together, there were probably 100 people involved in the creation of this thing, uh, which firstly yeah. made it much easier to motivate myself to keep working on because <laughs> it's just playing mm. with friends and it's just, you know, much better than it could ever have been if I had made it alone. 
Mm. So you play it in like your browser, basically. It's free, uh-huh. which is rad. You don't need to install anything. You don't need to pay anything. Uh, I haven't tried it on mobile, but I'm, mobile, but I'm presuming you can do it on your phone as well. I would even argue it is better on mobile. Um, I All like right. it more on mobile. We are hoping also to make a printed book, you know, like the ones that you used to read when you were a kid and it, like the choose mm. your own adventure books. And it's like, well, if you want to do this, turn to page, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm. So hopefully that'll come out soon. I just, I just loved those as a kid. So I just really wanted yeah, to make one. Absolutely. So why did you make this thing, Sammy? Um, I think because I was feeling cuck scared, frankly, about the climate change. Um, mm. And I, I, you know, I spent a lot of my life talking to Gen Zs and people, you know, younger people. And really kind of what I, I have encountered more and more is a, is a deep attitude of, of climate nihilism, I think, which is the sense of, well, it's too late. We're fucked. There's nothing else mm. we can do. Um, and I think that that's a really dangerous way to think about the issue. And I also think it's really untrue. Like, um, you know, there, there are still a lot of choices ahead of us as a planet. Um, and I understand that things, people feel very helpless. So one of the things that's fun about the game is that it puts you in a position where you do have a lot of power and you get to, to play and imagine what decisions the world could make. Um, and, you know, and you get the, the experience of that, that, you know, what if you could actually make these choices? Um, Mm. But I think it was also just to like explore all the different ways that the future could still play out that are all still plausible, right? Like it's not, the future is not yet Mm. written. Um, Yeah. I think that was kind of the core motivation for me was just, yeah, feeling like we don't actually know the future yet. There are a lot of different things we could still do. So therefore it still Mm. matters that we don't burn out and just feel like, well, it's all fucked. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they're very little upside besides for possibly more trees, kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like it was also fun to explore the utopian <laughs> timelines, right? Like what are the ways in which this could be an opportunity to for more justice in the world? Um, and yeah. it was fun to think about like, okay, well, what if we just gave up on like mitigating climate change and we just entirely adapted to it and we just basically mm. go and live like, you know, Star Trek? Um, and it was fun just to think about like all of these different potential things that, could still happen and we just don't know mm-hmm. yeah. so i sent you a link a while ago i don't know if you saw it to um an invisibilia uh episode called an unlikely superpower yes i haven't listened to it yet tell me what it's about um i mean it's ostensibly about a lady who can um smell parkinson's disease sort of hmm. um which is interesting in itself but there's a, there's a lot of thinking in there about climate change and about the future and about mm-hmm. how we should think about it. Anyway, it made me think of you. I thought you'd enjoy it, so I shared it. But I know you've been busy. <laughs> I won't ask you again if you've watched How To With John Wilson yet. I haven't. I'm the worst. I don't deserve you as a friend. <laughs> oh, dude, I mean, you've you know you've recommended so many things to me in the last couple of months as well that I, I haven't got. I just feel like everybody's sort of frenetic at the moment. It's kind yeah. of weird. Yeah. Like we were all bored as fuck last year. And now we're all like super over busy. Totally. I also feel like my, my energy tank for doing things just sh- like shrunk down to a tiny pee after like last year's lockdowns and this year's lockdowns. So now doing yeah. one activity a weekend, like wipes me out, yo. <laughs> mm. But I also think we need to acknowledge that like um, there's there's a fatigue, but there's also like a post traumatic thing you know like mm. like when you're in the thing 
when you're in the middle of the trauma, when you're in the middle of the accident, when you're in the middle of the, in this case, pandemic, hmm. that's not when it hits you necessarily. That's when you're in survival mode. You're like, yeah. I need to get through this. What do I need to get to do to get through this? And and then when you come out of that and the drama is over, the trauma is over, the, you know, the, the shit has happened, the event is done, hmm. that's when it catches up with you body and soul i believe like it's yeah. that's when you're like fuck i'm tired and i'm not feeling great and mm-hmm. like now i need to deal with the fallout of the thing mm. um which is weird to say about the pandemic because we're very much still in the middle of it especially yeah. where i am in south africa where we're about to enter a third wave it seems which is frightening yeah. but yeah. um but i do feel like there's a chapter that's closed with vaccines going into arms and mm. less of a lockdowny environment and i feel like a lot of a lot of where we're at now mentally is dealing with the fallout, like going, yeah. fuck, we've just been through a heck of a thing. Mm. Like, let's just take a second to like, not be okay. You know, yeah. cause we didn't, we, we spent the whole of last year just trying to be okay. And, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of us ended up not being okay and yeah. losing people and all sorts of horrible things. But yeah, I just feel like that's where we are right now. We, we we're mm. like back to work. We've got shit to do, but we haven't taken a moment to go. We actually need a break. Yeah, we need to like grieve and breathe. And like, I think everything about our lives was was changed and altered last year. And mm. you know, I, it, it takes a minute to just like put yourself back together. Yeah, totally. Mm. And I I, I I I hope that we can have a lot, continue to have a lot of empathy for each other about the fact that like. Mm. Sure. Everyone is, everyone's going through a thing. <laughs> Many yeah. people are going through like intense things still. Yeah. A heck of a goddamn yeah. thing. And when the fuck am I going to be able to come and visit you again? Jesus. Oh, dude, I know. I know. Don't even, don't even, I find it too depressing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Let's change the subject. Tell me about something you love. What have you found recently that's been rad? Dude, I, have you been too busy? last night tore through, it arrived in the afternoon and Two hours later, I had finished reading it because it was so good. Uh, Alison Bechdel's new memoir, The Secret to Superhuman Strength. It is so good. It's a graphic novel that's ostensibly about exercise and fitness, but is also about, I don't know, your relationship with the self. And there's a lot of like Zen Buddhism in it. It just, it's Sam crack. It's a lot of my interests. (laughs) Um, And Mm. Alison Bechdel just has this incredible ability to just talk about her own life and like the Mm. things that are could be really mundane in other people's hands, but she's so reflective about how, and honest, I think about like her vulnerabilities and how all of these things map to really deep things about her relationship with her family. And uh, anyway, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Secret to superhuman strength. Can't recommend it highly enough. Sounds crazy. Good. What about you? What is the big thing that it's left you with? Um, There is, so right in the beginning, uh, she talks about how she, you know, she's a progressive and she's a feminist and she, you know, she really believes in like interdependence, but at the same time, she has this real inner conflict about, she says that inside her is like an elderly Republican man who also really believes in like personal growth (laughs) and transformation and how you really just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps internally. Um, And how that's like this, this conflict that she is wrestling with now that she's in her sixties and Mm. she, you know, she's, she's still doing so many, like she's still so active and spending so much time trying to do all the things that would 
quote unquote better herself, but increasingly like she's still getting weaker, you know, regardless and is more and more vulnerable and needs other people more. Um, mm. And phew, that was like, it, it, you know, there's no answer to that, but it, it was such an astute and something I really resonated with this kind of conflict between feeling, you know, a bit addicted to self-help as a genre um, but at the mm. same time, that being in conflict with your poli- your political values often. Um, and then as you age, you really, in a, in a personal way, kind of confronting the limits of how much you can help yourself. <laughs> anyway, it's great. Love it. That's yeah. awesome, Sammy. What about I you, my cooks? Check it out. Um, as you know, like I'm crypto obsessed, even when the, the world isn't. And now the world is crypto obsessed. So I've been doubly involved. Um, but I've come across a project which makes me think of you as well because it's in the climate change space, um, mm-hmm. which is a company called Moss. Um, their website is moss.earth. And they've developed a cryptocurrency called MCO2, um, which is built on Ethereum. And basically what it is is it's carbon offset tokens. So one MCO2 token equals a ton of carbon. Um, and you can buy it and keep it in your Ethereum wallet, which is cool. Mm. Um and then what Moss does is they pump all of the money from selling these MCO2 tokens into projects in the Amazon basin. Mm. Um, and they've got amazing stats on their website. They've saved millions of trees. They've offset hundreds of thousands of tons of carbon. Um, so just like a really wholesome project, really cool team. We've been having lots of discussions with them. Um, they're predominantly based in Brazil. Mm. Um and as you know, like we, you know, one of the things we do is we we run a a, um, a portfolio product for people who want to invest in crypto mm. uh, called Venox. Um, and so, what I'm looking at doing now is actually adding a lot of MCO2 tokens to to our Venox portfolios for Ooh. our clients. Um, and there's so many reasons to love it. Firstly, I think it's going to be a good investment. Like the price of carbon is rising. Yeah. Um, you know, it's currently somewhere around $15 a ton, but the projections are that very quickly we're going to get to $100 a ton. So mm. the MCO2 token is a good investment potentially. Um, you get to do good and save trees. I also think a lot of people are concerned about um, crypto in terms of um, resource consumption, mm. which is complete nonsense. Like we, crypto is actually green technology and you and I have spoken about it before, but I haven't mm. actually, you know, spoken publicly too much about it. Um, we can get into why and how actually crypto uses a fraction of the electricity that people have been led to believe it does. It also gives us opportunities for using excess um, electricity and horrible practices like burn-off where, mm. you know, um, gas released from um, fracking that's used in um, power production in North America produces a lot of excess gas that literally just used to be set on fire in the past. Like now mm. we can actually use it to mine Bitcoin or, or other cryptocurrencies and actually store that value somehow. So mm. as much as I believe personally crypto is a green technology and that most of what people are reading on Twitter about how it wastes electricity and is going to boil the ocean is complete bullshit. Um, I do believe in efficiency and I do believe we should always be trying to consume less power. And I do like the idea of carbon offsets because I do think that driving it into the bottom line and actually making people or, you know, f- giving people a way to offset or, you know, pay for mm-hmm. carbon is, is the right way to tackle it. Well, it's part of the solution. You'd know more about this than I do. Um, but anyway, that's that's something I came across recently that's been making me happy engaging with the team and and looking at how they work. And, uh, and yeah, 
it's a really wholesome project. Yeah. That's, so what do you say? It's moss.earth. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I mean, the token's called MCO2. Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing about climate change, right, is it affects everything and therefore we need all parts of society to rally around solving it. Like we need finance to, we need finance to come up with solutions and we need, you know, changes in the construction industry and we need, you know, changes all over. Um, and the finance industry is a really powerful lever. So experiments like this are so important. Um, mm. Yeah, we have to find mm. better ways to like, you know, get people to get businesses to carry the externalities to get all fancy and economics talk. Um, sure. But yeah, also like, cool. you know, people want to invest, they want to make money and they should. Yeah. yeah. Like he has a way to do that and also um, do something good and save some trees and support projects that are doing really meaningful work. Um a lot of work also with, uh, you know, people who are resident in the Amazon base and job creation, all sorts of good stuff. So, Cool. I'll um, go check it out. It's all wholesome. <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs> we need more wholesomeness. <laughs> Absolutely, Sammy. <laughs> Simon, I always, I always feel so buoyed when I, after chatting to you. Like my mood is always like a little balloon Dude, gets filled up. It's so good. Same. So I good. Mean, I used to have the absolute fortune of having you you know in my personal space most days um <laughs> no don't so, say it <laughs> uh, the dopamine needs to be delivered over the internet now you know oh, well at least it's it's not as good as the as the in-person one but it is better than nothing <laughs> yeah we didn't talk about your back we'll get to that next time next time yeah okay all right well dear sammy that's it then for episode 60 of this year 60, conversation on the internet so I'm very proud of us. 60 is a lot. Mm, we managed to do like two a year. <laughs> <laughs> when did we start doing this? Like 2000? A long time. A long 12, time ago. 13. Jesus Christ. Clearly okay. both of us. And here's both of us talking about our productivity systems. <laughs> ha ha. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> All right, Sammy. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Bye.